Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast in Phoenix, Arizona. Wow, Galatians, man, I am so excited about this series. As you guys know, if you were here last week, this Transform series is really something so meaningful to me because, man, when Jesus gets into our lives and he begins to change them, he doesn't just change them for today or for a week, he changes them for eternity. What an amazing thing that is. And we started last week by talking about how the whole beginning of our transformation, everything, where that focal point is for the start of our transformation, everything begins with the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk some more about that a little bit later on in the message today. That's where it begins. That's the systemic change that has to take place in all of our lives because the problem behind all the problems in our life is sin. And until sin is addressed, there's no transformation. We talked about systemic versus particular. I, I told you, maybe you, you might have thought of it as I warned you, uh, that later on we are going to dig into some particular uh, changes. But Paul first is setting the stage, and he's really saying, look, it's all about the gospel. Until we get the gospel, we're not going to be able to make those other changes. Now, we're going through this entire book of Galatians, and that's part of the reason for my excitement, because I love taking a book of the Bible and just marching through it from verse 1 to the last verse of that book. And today we're going to be looking at a couple of verses from Galatians chapter 2. So pull out your crosswalk notes and, or your Bibles. I hope you brought your Bibles along. Can I just say this before I dive into reading? Of all the, the uh, series that we're going through, when we go through a book of the Bible, that's when it's most important to bring your Bibles, because I'm going to touch on verses that aren't in your crosswalk notes, and we're not always going to put them up on the screen. Part of that is I want to encourage you to bring your own Bibles to church and figure out where Galatians is and all of that. So anyway, here we go. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law... I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing." So I think to understand what the Apostle Paul is saying here, we have to back up just a little bit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we're going to back up just a little bit. (laughs) And when God created Adam and Eve, he put them in this beautiful, perfect garden. And everything was just right for them. It was the ideal environment for them. And, and he, he set a heart in each of them that was a heart to be in relationship with him. He, he, he wanted to walk with them daily, be with them, love them, and be loved by them. 
And then in the middle of that garden, so that that relationship could truly be cemented, so that he could really kind of ask them the question, are you going to trust me, or are you going to trust you? He put a tree, a tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he told them, you can eat from any, any other plant or tree that I placed here in the garden, but this one tree, trust me, you should not eat from this tree. Don't eat from it, because if you eat from this tree on the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Trust me. Well, you, you know the story. The serpent, Satan, slithers into the garden. And it's interesting because, in essence, what Satan is saying when he says, did God really say? And when he leads Eve and then Adam up to the tree to, to look at the fruit, and it's desirable in Eve's and Adam's eyes, Really, Satan is not saying, are you going to trust God or are you going to trust me? He's leading them to ask, are you going to trust God or are you going to trust yourself? See how desirable that fruit looks? And you know, that, that temptation of Satan has gone down all through the ages, Later on, we, we hear about Abraham, and God tells him, I want you to be the founder of my people, and thousands and thousands of descendants are, are going to come from you, Abraham, more than the stars in the sky, more than the sand on the beach. You're going to have so many descendants, they can't even be counted, but you have to move here from your hometown where you're familiar with everything, where you know everybody, where you have this great foundation in life where you feel like you can kind of trust yourself and trust your neighbors to a place far, far away where one day I'm going to plant my descendants. It's going to be the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. But I'm asking you to move. Do you trust me? Or do you trust you and your neighbors? You see, because isn't that really another version of as people... The only one I can trust is me. Sometimes we build that out a little bit and we say, as people, the only one we can trust, the only ones we can trust is ourselves, our team, our tribe, the people who think and look and act the way that we do, the people that we're used to. Later on, God calls Moses and he says, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of slavery in Egypt. Do you trust me? Because I will, I will help you. And there, it's kind of interesting because Moses' trust in himself doesn't come out as, Rawr, I'm the master of the universe. I can do anything I want. I'm self-actualized. I'm self-confident. It's all about me and I can do it. No question about it. Instead, Moses' trust in leading the children out and doing what God is asking him to do is very shaky because as he looks at himself, that whole trust in yourself, and you've probably experienced, I know I have, is like very, very shaky. What? How am I ever going to do something like that? God, do you realize how powerful Pharaoh is? Dude, I I grew up in that palace. I know what we're talking about here. And what does God say? Moses? Moses? You trust you 
or do you trust me? Later on, a party, a segment, a tribe grew up among the Jews. And there were several of these. You've heard of them before, the Sadducees and so on, and then the Pharisees. The Pharisees thought that it would be a good idea to have some extra laws and rules and customs and traditions. And that if if they did that, then yes, they could trust as they waited for the Messiah to come. They could say, we trust God, but we're doing something even better. We're taking our trust in God and we're adding our trust in ourselves to it. And if we do both of those together, how awesome will that be? Yes, we trust God and we trust us. That's awesome. That's the best of both worlds. Paul was one of those, the apostle who's writing to the Galatians here. And it's really interesting what he has to say, because as you go forward now, you know what happens. Jesus, the Messiah, comes and fulfills all of God's Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. The Son of God becomes man, lives a perfect life, Life for you and me in our place to be our perfect substitute so that when God looks at us, he sees righteousness, holiness, perfection. And he dies a death that's the perfect sacrifice for all of our sins by his blood, washing away every last sin that you and I have ever committed. And then three days later, God raises him from his grave, the resurrection, to prove, look, this gospel message, this good news, it's really true. It's fact. And if you have any doubts about it, look, my son, who was dead for three days, lying in a tomb, is now alive. Over 500 people have seen this. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul kind of recounts that story that I just recounted to you. You can look it up yourself. It starts at 1 Corinthians 15, 3, and he says, this message, this gospel message about Jesus and the forgiveness and the grace that he offers to an entire world, that is of first importance. The gospel is of first importance, and that's really what the Apostle Paul is saying here. As I told you last week, the difficulty that Paul is facing is that as he's gone around into city and village after village to teach the gospel and and share Jesus with people, he's being followed. Being followed by what he calls in chapter 1, false brothers. And those false brothers, he says, are teaching the Galatians something that is completely not from God. The false brothers were called Judaizers. And it's very likely that the Judaizers were Jewish Christians. They had converted to Christianity, but still wanted to follow those Old Testament traditions and customs and rules and laws. In other words, they were saying to the people who weren't Jewish, if you want to be a true Christian, if you really want to be in a right relationship with God, follow Jesus, believe in him, trust in him for your salvation, and become a Jew like us. Be circumcised. Don't forget to eat the right foods like we Jews do. Act like us, dress like us. 
And then you'll have the best of both worlds. You'll trust God and you'll be doing all the traditions and rules that can assure you that you can trust you too. Paul calls these Judaizers false brothers. And when he goes back to places like Galatians says, don't believe the Judaizers' message. Do you know what the Judaizers do? They do what most people do when they sense that they're under attack. They make it personal. They start launching ad hominem attacks against Paul, meaning against his person, not against the issues. They say, this guy, Paul, (laughs) don't listen to him. His message is Merely a human message. It's, it's purely from his own head. He's making this stuff up. And that's why if you were reading along in the book of Galatians, and maybe some of you are, so you can take a look. In chapter 1, verse 11, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. And then he goes on throughout the rest of chapter 1 to really say, Brothers, I I was one of those guys. I was one of those Pharisees. I, I was more zealous for the customs, traditions, rules than they were. I know what it means to say, trust me. And at the end of the day, that was a failed philosophy. And the reason I know it is that God sent Jesus to me personally. We know that story, how Jesus came to Paul on the road to Damascus. And Jesus told him, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And confronted him right there on the road. Paul goes on and he says, I was taught by Jesus. This message that I have, it's not man-made. I was taught personally by Jesus. And later on, I went to visit with the apostles, but it wasn't to get my message approved because I had been taught this message of the gospel from Christ himself, just like all the other apostles. The reason I went to see the other apostles in Jerusalem Well, there's only one reason. I wanted them to know what my message was. I wanted them to know the mission that Jesus had sent me on to the Gentiles, not the Jews. I wanted us to be on the same page out of brotherly love for them and the churches that had started in Jerusalem. I went there. As you move forward into chapter 2, Paul goes on, he says, 14 years pass, and I I went back to Jerusalem, and this time I went with Barnabas, and I took Titus. It's interesting what he says. He says, the reason I did this in verse 4 is because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. These guys want to rob us of our freedom from sin. They want to make us slaves again. They want sin and the law and the rules and the traditions and the customs to own us again. Paul says, I'm not putting up 
with that. Not for a minute. And he goes on, he says, As for those who seemed to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. These men added nothing to my message. Even Peter, when Peter comes to visit with Paul, has Paul come to him and say, Peter, why are you drifting back into those old customs and traditions? Peter, the guy who was part of the inner three, is reminded and rebuked by Paul for drifting back to those traditions and and customs because some Jews came in and Peter was afraid of what they might think. And what does Peter do? Does Peter wag his finger at Paul and go, who do you think you are, bro? I was the one who walked with Jesus for three years. You weren't there then. I was the one who saw him transfigured. I was the one that Jesus said, do you love me? And three times I answered, yes, you know that I love you because you know all things. That's me. Who are you, Paul, to tell me how to act? Does he say that? Nope. He steps back and he goes, you know what? He's right. And I'm in the wrong. Peter steps back and accepts Paul's rebuke. Now, how tough must that have been? But when he does that, he recognizes the fact for all of us that Paul, with this message is on the right track. Now, pick up your crosswalk notes because we're going to dive in to chapter 2. That's the bridge. That's where we came from last week where we were saying the gospel starts it all. You needed some of that history to understand what Paul is going to say and why the theme for today is get over it. You cannot free yourself. And really, it comes down to this very simple, basic question. Who are you going to try to please? Who are you going to really trust? Is it God or is it you? And that breaks down into a couple things. When you begin to start thinking of religion and your faith and your relationship with God as really it's about trusting me, now you're delving into the common religion and philosophy and approach of the entire world. Because our entire world is still saying, trust me, I'll work it out, right? Why is there Oprah? Why is there Dr. Phil? Why is there Dr. Oz? Right? What are, what's the message that all of them have? And it's not necessarily a bad message. I'm not saying don't watch those shows. But when you're watching those shows, don't be led to, to think, you see, it really is all about me. I'm my healer. I'm the one that has to work things out. You see, that's, that's our world's message. It's about what I do to work it out in the steps that I take. Look at what what other religions teach, what cults teach. Wear the right clothes, eat the right food, follow the right leader, drink the right Kool-Aid. And when you do all those things and you look like I do and you're part of our tribe because you're following all our rules and customs and traditions, 
then you're okay. Right? Even Christianity can do this. Remember when Julie and I were young, we were dating, we were still in college, and uh, they had some long, Julie and her folks had some long-time neighbors. And this gentleman named Paul, how ironic. Gentleman named Paul moved in next door with his parents who were still living there, and he brought his new bride along. They were trying to save up money for a down payment on a house, so they moved in with his parents. And they were our same age, so we got to know them, got to talking. And of course, I was uh, in college at the time studying to be a pastor, and eventually the conversation drifted toward religion. And I never heard someone say this so blatantly before. I'd, I'd heard it in my, in my classes that this is what a Roman Catholic is taught. But he, he just blatantly said it so, so much like the textbook. I said, do you know how you're saved? And he said, yeah, of course I know how I'm saved. Believe in Jesus and be a good person. Believe in Jesus and be a good person. You hear that and in there? That and is what Paul is fighting when he writes to the Galatians. Because what Paul is telling us is there's no and. There's no plus. There's no Jesus plus wear the right clothes. There's no Jesus plus read this extra book. That's not the Bible. There's no Jesus plus eat the right foods. It's just Jesus. And that's the theme of this entire book of Galatians. It's just Jesus. He's done it all. He's fully sufficient to pay for all your sins, to give you eternal life as a gift, to change your life when he lives inside your heart. He's all we need. Just Jesus. Not Jesus and, not Jesus plus. Could we be that church? Absolutely we can be that church. We, we, we could be the church that says, man, you got to believe in Jesus and your pastor has to wear jeans on Sunday morning. Our church is so cool. Man, we got people with tattoos in there. We got chain smokers who come to our church. We got beer drinkers that come to our church. We got people who are ex-cons and we got people who are cops and they sit on opposite side of the auditorium. (laughs) Why can't your church be like ours? Right? Because this is our tribe and we love our tribe. We could so become that church that Paul is talking about in Galatians. Now, do I want you to love your church? Do I want you to love Crosswalk? Of course. But don't go to the point where you say it's Jesus plus a church like Crosswalk. It's not. It's not. It's just Jesus. I I know sometimes people come to church, they've talked to me. They're like, why do you, every Sunday, you got to talk about this guy named Jesus. Can't we talk about something else? I want something practical. Give me some steps. I'm like, no, that's all we got. We got Jesus. That's all. We got Jesus. And that's all we need. That's all we need. 
And that's what Paul's saying here. As we dive into verse 15, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. He's not justified by steps. He's not justified by clothes. He's not justified by eating the right foods. Just Jesus, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ, in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ. Justified means declared not guilty. In God's eyes, when we put our faith in Jesus, we're declared not guilty. And it's not by the works of the law. Because, look at this sentence. I want you to underline this. By the works of the law, no one will be justified. No one will be justified. Not one last person. Julie and I went to San Francisco about four weeks ago to visit our son who lives there. And we're walking around. He was giving us a walking tour of downtown San Francisco. It was really cool. One place that he really wanted to show us was there's a block in the middle of this very urban city, high-rise buildings and apartments all around. There's a block that's a farm in the middle of the city. It's really cool. And it's, and it's fenced entirely by a chain-link fence. And there's only one gate and, and our son Aaron has volunteered there. He knows the people there. He loves working there. And he said, come on, I want you to meet some people. I want to show you around this little farm that's in the middle of San Francisco. But we get to the gate, and the gate's closed, and there's a chain across it and a lock in there. And we think, wow, man, it's too bad, because you can still see the people in there. They're working. It just looks like we've gotten there too late, and it's locked, Right? And then this young lady comes sauntering out. She just taken some vegetables because they literally give the vegetables away out of this little farm. And she comes out and she just does this with the lock and takes it out of the chain and looks up at us and goes, don't worry, it's just fake locked. Ever done that? You know, we used to do that at the crosswalk office. Like we didn't want to be bothered with pulling the keys out and all that stuff. So what do you do? You put the lock through the chain, right? And then you... Bob's looking at me like, no, you did not do that, did you? (laughs) Yes, Bob, we did. So it was fake locked. And to anybody just casually walking or driving by, they go, okay, we're not going to try to go in there because it's locked, right? Well, (laughs) fake locked is what a lot of people are in their hearts and minds. And you know what fake locks us? us? It's the devil whispering in our ear, you need to trust you. And the way you trust you is by following the rules, doing the steps, taking care of business by wearing the right clothes, all those kinds of things. But it's a fake lock. All we have to do to turn it is remember what Paul says here. It's all about Jesus. Here's what I want you to write down. How can I change? Boy, you guys are happy. He's finally to a fill-in. How long is this message going to be? Like, oh. How can I change if I'm still locked in place? It doesn't matter who you are. Or where you come from. See what it says there? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in in Jesus Christ. 
right? He says, we Jews know that, and now the Gentiles are going to know it too, and that's cool. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. And he says, it's no longer by works of the law, it's by faith. So here's another thing. It doesn't matter how perfect you are or how perfect you think you are. And it also doesn't matter how imperfect you are or how imperfect you think you are, right? Some people don't come to church because they go, man, I can't go there. I'm not one of those perfect people, right? Paul says that doesn't matter. And you know, some of these changes start with just a little small step, right? Like think about when you're greeting people, right? Is there ever a little voice in your head that goes, man, I don't know if I want to, Shake that person's hand. Because that person's different from me. Does that person really belong here at Crosswalk? Hmm. I don't know, man. I don't have tattoos, but he does. Or I have tattoos, but she doesn't. Doesn't matter which way you go, right? I mean, you could be the guy who has the dreads and the tats all over your body, and you go, man, I, I don't know if I belong here. I don't see enough people who look like me. You belong here because it's not about how you look. I don't care if you're Hispanic, African-American, white. Look at me, I'm pasty white. <laughs> right? We all belong here because it's not about the outside at all. At all. It's about Jesus. And that's the beauty of it being about Jesus. Is that nothing on the outside matters. And in fact, even some of the stuff that's on the inside doesn't matter anymore. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. I'm forgiven. You're forgiven. The blood of Jesus has totally washed away all my sins. The blood of Jesus has washed away all your sins. You start to see how much we have in common, no matter what's on the outside, right? You belong here. We want you here. And more importantly, Jesus wants you here because he wants to wrap you up in his arms and say, I love you, bro. I love you, sister. And I want you to be mine. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, how perfect or imperfect you are. Don't let that lock you up. Look at what he says. As for those who are held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. God does not show favoritism. We underline those words. They added nothing to my message. Dude, it's getting late. We need to flip the page. There's another passage, Acts 15. This is where Paul goes to Jerusalem after 14 years to check with the apostles. We talked about that, right? And here's what the apostles say about God. They're not talking about Paul. They're talking about God to Paul. So when they say he, write this in, they mean God. He, God, did not discriminate between us and them. For he purified their hearts by faith. Us and them is us Jews and them Gentiles. 
Them people who didn't believe, they don't look like us, they don't act like us, they're different from us. They even used to worship false gods. But what? God did not discriminate. Oh man, that's beautiful. And how do we know this, the apostles say? He did the same thing for them that he did for us Jews. He purified their hearts by faith. So here's what we know. What really counts is faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. Paul goes on to say, back in our original text, but if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? That They're worried. They're like, dude, if it's just about Christ and we don't teach that you better follow the law, doesn't that mean everybody's just going to go out and do whatever they want? Paul says, that's not going to happen. Because once someone becomes a believer and they put their faith in Christ, and it's all about God, that's all they need. And I don't need to rebuild this whole system of customs, traditions, and laws that has been destroyed because I have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's saying three things. Write these down. By faith in Christ, I'm dead to the law. I don't need the law anymore. Now, the law can still guide me. It can still help me a little bit. We'll talk about that later on in the book of Galatians. But the law can't accuse me. It can't shame me. It can't guilt me. And it can't cause me to die anymore. I'm dead to the law. By faith in Christ, I'm completely innocent of all my wrongdoing. Wow. Has anybody in this room done something that they are deeply ashamed of? Right? And you look back and you go, man, I hurt somebody badly. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm not sure about that one. Does God even forgive that one? The one that I would, I would go miles and miles and miles, I would sprint miles to, to keep anyone else from knowing that because I am so deeply ashamed of it. Does God forgive that one too? Yep, he does. By faith in Christ, I no longer live. And here's the power of transformation. It's why we know we can change. When we're in relationship with God and we say, God, it's on you. Jesus, I trust that when you live in me, you're going to change me. It's not about my steps. It's about the steps that you've taken, Jesus, to be inside my heart. It's all on you. It's your power. It's your grace. It's your wisdom. For we maintain, Romans 3.28, that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So here's the secret to true, lasting transformation. I live by faith in the Son of God, And that frees me. That's what Paul says at the end. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ. You see, it can't be about you. It can't be trust me, Paul says, because I'm dead. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This life I'm now living in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. I live by faith in the Son of God, and that frees me. Just like this woman in Mark chapter 5. Does Jesus come to her and say, Daughter, here are the steps you need to take to be healed. Let me teach you how to live a more healthy life. Let me show you how you can solve this problem, how you can be self-actualized and self-improved and full of self-esteem even though you're ill. He doesn't say any of that. He says, you're healed. By faith, you're healed. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from suffering. So what's Jesus saying to us today? Three simple words. Stop thinking, I got to trust myself. Stop thinking, I got to take the right steps. Stop thinking, if I don't do this, if I don't wear that, if I don't follow this custom, if I don't get my tribe around me, and if I don't keep the other tribes at arm's length, don't we do that? I mean, sometimes we don't even realize we're doing that. But we make other tribes, tribes in our mind, The enemy, if they don't think the way we do, if they don't act the way we do, I won't be with them. All that comparing and trying to get it done by the law, Paul says that's foolishness. So get over it. And here are three things. By it, we mean self-improvement. Circle self in there. By it, we mean reputation, right? Who am I hanging out with? Am I doing the things that will have everybody see me in a good light? Do I have my mask firmly glued in place so that no one can see the real me? Get over it. And most of all, by it, we mean sweating salvation. We don't have to sweat eternal salvation because Jesus has already given it to us. It's yours. And he wants you to have it. He tells his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you in heaven. Get over it. You cannot free yourself. Which means you have to ask yourself the question every day. Do I trust God? Or do I trust me? And now, I think you know what the Apostle Paul's, God's answer to that question is. Here's your next steps. I am freed. I will ask the Holy Spirit to help me walk in the realization that this is really true and stop trying to free myself. And the key verse is, the life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we realize that sin is at the root of all the problems that we face in life, whether they're health problems or money problems or family problems, most of all, problems of guilt and shame that we're experiencing because of the wrong things we've done. It's all sin. 
Lord, assure each of us that our sins are forgiven, they're erased, that, that we have your grace at work in our lives every day, that we don't have to worry about self-improvement and self-actualization, self-esteem, because we have you. Send your Holy Spirit into our hearts to help us to trust you and only you and to make it, as you already have made it, be all about Jesus. He is all we need. His good news gospel message is all we need, just Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.